We continue our series on this journey that Jesus made with his disciples to Jerusalem as recorded in the Good News According to Luke. Now, I've, I usually have a smaller black Bible up here, but I guess maybe I didn't like the story of Martha and Mary or there's something happened, but it was ripped out from that Bible. So I, Patty has been so kind to lend me her new RSV version of the Bible. And now this is a real preaching Bible, y'all. This is one I can really wave at you, so watch out. Uh, it's a, a, a great testimony, though, to our working together. And this is actually the John Wesley edition of it. So I, I need to preach very well uh, today to honor Mr. Wesley, of course, uh, to give glory to God and to offer something um, that will help you as you go about your week serving Christ. Here now the word of the Lord is found in the good news according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Mary, Mary, where are you? She's daydreaming with her head in the clouds, I bet. Mary, Mary. Here, here, I, here I am, Martha. What do you need? I need you to get help giving me some help over here. You know Jesus is coming over today, and the house is a mess. You said you were going to be sweeping the floor, but... It's just as dirty as ever. Well, I was going to do it, but then I saw how beautiful it looked outside today, and my heart just wanted to worship God. So I stood and praised him before I got the broom. Well, I'm sure you could have praised him just as easily if you'd been sweeping the floor at the time, and then you would have gotten some chores done, too. Well, I suppose so, but have you ever felt overwhelmed by the sight of God's creation? that you just had to stop and give praise? I can't say I've got time to waste on stopping and staring. There's just too much to be done. You remind me of mom, always busy and never finding time to just think. Well, if I take time to think, then I just end up thinking about all the things I could be doing if I weren't just thinking. <laughs> I'm finding thinking is such an important part of life. How do you notice all the wonderful things around you? How do you see all the fantastic things he's given us? How, do you, How do you fix the dinner on time? How does the room get dusted? How does the garden get weeded? You know, Mary, if we were all like you, then nothing would ever get done on time at all. Now, please, get the room swept and come and help me with the dinner. Okay. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Jesus is here already and the work not done. That sister, doggone sister of mine, she just never does anything right, and now she hasn't even answered the bell. Oh, what am I going to do with her? Jesus, how lovely to see you. Do Hello, come on in. Martha. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for the invitation. Master, we're honored to have you come to our house today, and I'll just go find my sister, Mary. Mary, where are you? I'm here. Jesus I'm here. has arrived. Hello, Jesus. Hello, Mary. 
I'm so glad to see you. I was thinking about what you were talking about, the kingdom of heaven, and I have a question for you. Would you like to go to the garden? Is that the question? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I thought you might be more comfortable. Oh, yes, thank you. That would be nice. Well, will you look at that? Not so much as a by your leave. That sister of mine leaves me to do all the work by myself while she goes shimmying off with Jesus, and there I am stuck with making the dinner. Well, I'm not going to let her get away with this. So that is why I believe that the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Well, that is amazing, Jesus. I never thought of like it before. Are you all right? Lord, don't you think it would be better if you told Mary to help me out? Don't you feel bad that I have to do all the work and she's not doing anything? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. There's only one thing that's needed. And Mary has chosen the better one, and that will not be taken away from her. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, Lord. That's fine. That's fine. I'm really glad that you invited me here today. Maybe after tea, you'll have an opportunity to sit down and talk with me, too. Oh, I hope so. I, thing is, Martha, you both have wonderful, important gifts. For all you see and do and around here, if you didn't do that, it would never get done. Today, though, Mary needed to sit and talk, and for her, that was really important. I understand. Thank you, Lord. You're welcome. Well, I better get going. Jesus? Yes? You need to come to dinner more often. I've never seen her like that before. <laughs> Mary, I think we need to talk some more. Oh, I think so. <laughs> well, thank you, actors. Thank you, Diana. And thank you, Andy. And Patty got pulled in at the last minute uh, to uh, be our Mary. So thank you all so much for that. And um, I want to thank our uh, worship design team that, that came up with that. It's, they're the group that helps organize worship for this church, and they uh, come up with some of the creative ideas uh, that uh, we have here. Judy Kramer is the one that brought us that script for, for the play, and um, they're just a great group of people that are helping worship to be meaningful and, and innovative. So I want to thank them, and as we are going through the Lenten season, the, the 30 pieces of silver bags, that's what they have helped develop as we come to Holy Week. They're working on helping the, the services be something special for everybody. So I thank every one of those uh, team members that make worship such a special place here at Boone United Methodist Church at all three worship services. Uh, they, they are planning and working and, and enabling our congregation to work, uh, worship in three very different ways Sunday after Sunday. Well, Martha and Mary, yeah, what, what, a, what a great story. Uh, it's something that we probably all know the punchline to, that, you know, Martha's the busy one, the one doing all the work, and Mary's the one that's just, you know, sitting there with her head in the clouds. And, you know, uh, there may be a little truth to that, but I think there's a lot more to it as we see that Martha invited Jesus into her home and that uh, she and Mary were there welcoming Christ. And uh, they both had, as the play so beautifully pointed out, different gifts to offer 
uh, to Jesus. And that's the same with us as we invite Jesus in, into our lives, into our homes. You know, we have gifts that we offer, offer to Christ to, to bless the world. And the first thing we need to see in this text as we read it is that there's a woman named Martha that invited Jesus into her home. What a wonderful privilege. Very few people in the history of the, of the world have had God incarnate come into their home. Martha was one of the very few people that had Jesus enter into her home. And not just enter in the home, but recline there and dine there. In fact, Jesus felt very at home there. In fact, we know that Jesus considered Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus dear friends. So here is Jesus being brought into a home of another person. God incarnate welcomed to her household. And we wish we could do that, don't we? We wish that we could have Jesus sitting there and and talking with us. But I'm here to tell you, y'all, we have that opportunity ourselves, you see. For we have something even better we can have, if we invite him, Jesus coming and living in the home of our hearts. We can invite Jesus to live within us, to live his life in and through our lives. Jesus, this one who loves us infinitely, who knows us better than we know ourselves, is saying, come unto me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden, who are having a difficult time, and experience my rest. Jesus, you see, is longing for that invitation into our hearts and into our lives. We read in in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you open the door of your life to me, I will enter in and I will eat with you and you with me. We have this invitation, you see, to open our lives to Jesus, this one that knows us better than we know ourselves, this one that knows about all the mess that's in our lives, that's all the heartache in our lives, all the things that we wish to hide from others in our lives. Jesus says, I want to come in our end, even despite the fact that our counters may be littered with uh, the, the papers of broken dreams and unfulfilled ambitions, even though uh, our kitchen may be littered with the, the dishes that are covered with the grime of our own sinful desires and are seeking after the fleeting pleasures of this world, even though in our bedroom may be, uh, have a bed that's unmade and that is reflective of the fact that we have stuff in our past that we wish wasn't there. Jesus said, I'm coming and I will enter in and help you clean the house. How would you like to have a, ho- a guest like that as you host him? He says, I'm coming in and I'm going to help you clean. That's what Jesus says. Come, let me enter in into your life. For folks, that's what Jesus longs for every human being, to hear that invitation from us saying, yes, Jesus, come. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Live your life in me. Let us be close together as friend and to friend. There may be somebody in this sanctuary who's never given that invitation. There may be someone here online that has never said, all right, Jesus, enter in. We may hide the fact that, oh, we need that 
personal relationship with Christ by our busyness in church or participation in Sunday school or some of the activities in the church, even singing in the choir. But have we said, okay, Jesus, come. Come into my life. Enter into the door of my heart. On March 27th, a number of years ago, I like to pretend that I'm still young, so I won't tell you how long ago it was. I heard Jesus knocking at the door of my heart. And I said, yes, come in. And even though that there are times that I have not been on the best behavior with this divine guest in my life, and even though that I have failed him, even though there are still some rooms that I hesitate to even still show Jesus, he's there. And he's always been a forgiving and gracious guest in the household of my life, helping straighten out the mess, helping to clean up the things, even though the journey has sometimes been hard. He doesn't promise us an easy life. He promises us an abundant life, one that's filled with meaning and purpose. Have you opened up the door of your life, your heart to him? And for some, maybe in the sound of my voice, within the sound of my voice, you you have opened up your life maybe a long time ago, but there's a room or two that you have kept shut off from him might be something that you want to keep hidden or something that has been a disappointment. There might be something that a besetting sin that is still there. And you say, Jesus, you can come in the rest of my home, but, you know, this room I want to keep private. Jesus said, let me come in there. Let me help you fix it and straighten it up. And our Methodist understanding of divine grace, we believe in this notion of sanctification where Jesus enters into the door of our hearts. And as we become more and more intimate with him and he with us, he begins to polish up all the stuff within our lives and every room of the house of our hearts. So this is an invitation, you see. This story where Martha says, come into my, ho- my home, Jesus. Same with us. Now imagine if you knew what I, we were going to be talking about today, preaching on, when you hear the story of Martha and Mary, you didn't think this is going to be an evangelistic sermon. This is where God has led me today because knowing that we may have somebody that needed to hear, all right, Lord, I hear the knock. I open the door to experience you. And if you're that way, if you're that person, you need to Figure out some ways to let Jesus further into your life. You know, come talk to me. Come talk to Patty or Vernon or Laura. Experience that grace. You know, we can also invite Jesus into our homes. Literally. Or as we'll read later on in Luke's telling of this, this travel narrative, uh, there's this parable of the great banquet, and Jesus ends it, by saying, don't invite those folks that, you can, that will invite you back to your, their house. You invite the poor, the lame, the blind, the cripple, the widow, the orphan. Because as we read in Matthew 25, when you do things to the least of humanity, the broken, the hurting, the blind, the poor, the lame, the poor, the sick, the outcasts, the homeless, those who are lonely, Jesus said, you're inviting me. So we can have the opportunity Invite Jesus into our homes when we invite folks like that. Yeah, it's good to have friends and it's good to have relatives and neighbors, but maybe on some occasions invite those that 
Well, they'll never invite you back. Because when you're doing so, you're welcoming Jesus. It's a little small town that we got to serve in for a good long time. On Christmas Eve, my family did something truly beautiful. I, I, I wasn't a part of this. This is all I did was eat and show up at the table. My sweet wife and my uh, precious children. Uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, when it would have been so easy just to make a bowl of soup because I was busy doing church stuff, they fixed a fancy dinner, brought out the fine china, which we don't bring out too often. And they would invite people who, for whom Christmas wasn't such a joyful thing, retired minister whose family just lived uh, way away, uh, uh, the pianist who, who had some family issues and, and Christmas was a difficult time, uh, some other people in the community who were lonely, who didn't have anybody else. They invited them to Christmas Eve dinner. And after a day of hard work of leading worship, I showed up there and it was a joyful occasion. Because Jesus was present. And the guys of those folks who wouldn't go anywhere else that night except home alone, around a dinner table with fancy food. It wasn't hot dogs, y'all. <laughs> it was a sure enough fine meal. For you see, around our table was Jesus. And you can do that. And you can also welcome Jesus in the guise of the people that come to worship on Sunday. Our ushers, our greeters, our welcoming people, for some, it might be the only time they get a smiling face saying, hello, glad you're here, anytime during the week. And our ushers and our greeters are being people who welcome Jesus into midst. When you say hi to somebody in, in the life of the church, you're, you're welcoming Jesus. And those who prepare the coffee, you know, thank you for marrying Craig Ferguson and today Richard and Susan Defus, they make coffee back there. And earlier in the day when we had the coffee set out, I looked through the window and Jesus was getting coffee. <laughs> That's what you do, you see. And so if you want to welcome Jesus, welcome the people that come to church. And you can be a part of these great ministries of ushers and greeters and, and hostesses. And thank you, those of you that do that. Thank you for the people that are after church today are going to pick up the visitor pads and, and be a, a source of welcome. Thank you. For you see, when you do these things, you're welcoming Jesus in such a similar fashion as, as Martha did. So long ago. Well, here we have uh, Martha and Mary. And we all uh, know how uh, that they are stereotyped. You know, Martha's the worker and Mary's the one with her head in the clouds. And uh, maybe, though, it's just that they're not appreciating each other's giftedness. Maybe it's that they aren't, or, or Martha's not appreciating what Mary's bringing the table. See, Martha... Uh, you know, bless her heart, wanted to make sure she had everything there in order. And she might have forgotten the joy of welcoming Jesus. And doesn't that happen? When we get so caught up in the busyness, when we get so caught up in, in all the work uh, that we forget about in, in the midst of all the things that we're doing, that we're doing these things for Jesus. I know in the life of the church, it, it, you know, sometimes folks 
uh, well, they get distracted, or they get busy, or they're off doing other things. And, and, and you could be one of the few people that are straightening up after church or cleaning up the chairs after fellowship dinner or something like that. And you wonder to yourself, where is everybody? And when we start down that path, like Martha, we forget the joy of welcoming Jesus and that what we do, we are doing for Jesus. We're doing it like we're doing it for someone we love, which we do. We love Jesus. Think of it this way. When you are cleaning up your home and preparing your home for friends, for people you love, and when we think about that, we're getting to welcome people. That's a true joy and a true pleasure, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, I, I admire people that have uh, the gift of cleanliness. I, I really do. If you go into my office, you can see that is not my spiritual gift. Uh, and it's sort of the same at the house, too. I mean, we have to, uh, when we invite company over, well, we have stuff that's here, there, and yonder. And, and when you have three dogs, and all, all of them I like to get around and about the house, and there's fur here, there, it, it takes a long, sometimes a long time to get things ready, you see. However, when we in our cleaning up and are getting ready, remember, gosh, we're getting a welcome these dear friends or these neighbors or these relatives. It changes perspective because we're preparing for someone we love. Maybe Martha lost that perspective. And she lost her perspective, as I said a moment ago, about the giftedness of her sister because we all possess different gifts, don't we? We all do. And sometimes when we are in the busyness and the throes of doing stuff, we forget that because some, someone is doing something different, that doesn't mean their gift is any less than our own. In that same little town I was telling you about, we, they had a very active uh, mission disaster recovery group. And Cor says down on the Gulf Coast, so we were, we were kind of busy. And uh, after Hurricane Rita hit uh, southern Louisiana down below New Orleans, uh, we took a group down uh, to a town called Dulac, Louisiana. The main part of the population there are the Homa Indians. They speak French. Now, it's interesting uh, when you uh, look up, uh, are these Native Americans, according to the U.S. government, they're not. But the French recognize them as a Native American tribe. The French government says these are Native peoples. So they have, uh, you know, some hardship that about that. And, that, and it's a, a poor community. They're shrimpers and fishermen for, for the most part. And we had the blessing of, of working with uh, a family. His name was T-Boy and, and her name was May. And the next door neighbor was May's brother, Jimmy. And so we went in there and cleaned out debris and they had their houses flooded. So they, we took up their flooring and were putting new flooring down. And you think South Alabama's hot. South East Louisiana is oppressively hot. I mean, it is hot. And so we're there sweating and, and, and uh, doing all this hard work. And, and one day, uh, Jimmy came out and, and began to ask us. He said, all right, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, uh, you know, he asked me, I was, I'm the pastor. And then the guy, another guy worked in the oil industry. Another guy uh, was a forester. And he came to this big old tall fella and he said, uh, who are you? And the guy's name said, I'm Monty. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm the chief of police for our town. And Jimmy didn't even bat an eye. He said, oh, you're a crook. (laughs) 
And we noticed throughout the day that Monty, uh, more often than not, was sitting down talking to T-Boy or to May, Jimmy, or some of the other people there. And we joked a little bit, said, yeah, it's typical Monty shirking work, getting out of doing things. And and, uh, you know, after they saw me doing my work, she said, they'd say, Ed, why don't you go over there and join Monty, (laughs) talking to the people. But what Monty was doing was building relationships while we were there rebuilding houses. And at the end of the week, it's interesting that the families gathered around Monty more than they did us because he, as I said, was relating to the people. That's why he's such a good law enforcement officer. Monty could talk to a turnip. You see, he was offering his gift. And we sometimes don't appreciate people that are gifted that way, who may not can stack chairs that well or uh, fix things, but they can help people feel good about themselves because, well, y'all, folks need people to talk to. Mary had a different gift at that time than Martha did. Martha obviously had some great gifts. Maybe she didn't realize that Mary did too at that moment. Or, you know, we read in the story that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus like a disciple, you see. And what a unique thing that was going on at that time. For you see, in the time frame this was written, a woman wouldn't dare sit at the feet of somebody else. But Jesus was so welcoming to everybody, and Mary was so in, in love with who Jesus is and who Jesus was that she risked the social norms to sit there with the Lord of the universe and learn. Every time we read about Mary in the Scriptures, she's at the feet of Jesus. Here here in this this great text, we see in John's Gospel, in the raising of the Lazarus story, uh, here is Jesus coming late to the scene, and running out there is Martha, and and you can see Martha. Jesus, if you had been here earlier, our brother would have been alive. You You can just see Martha doing that, right? Well, Mary's in the house. And when she hears Jesus is there, what, what's the text say to us? She runs to Jesus and falls at his feet. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Lord, if you'd been here. And a couple verses later, we read the famous text, Jesus wept. Maybe the tears of this beloved Mary, who was always at the feet of Jesus, moved Jesus to tears. And then... Next chapter, there's Martha again throwing a dinner party, and she is there with all the disciples there. Folks, preparing dinner for 13 ain't the easiest thing, is it? But she's, she's there preparing dinner, and there's no mention of her this time saying, Mary, are you going to do something? No, maybe Mary had done some of the work. She had cut some of the vegetables, maybe. Who, know, who knows? But while they're all reclining there at dinner, what does Mary do? Mary takes a pound of nard, very expensive perfume, and anoints the feet of Jesus with it. 
anoints the feet of Jesus, kneeling at his feet, you see. We're told by the scripture that this nard cost 300 denarii. That's not just $300, y'all. That's basically a year's wages. Now, I'm just now finishing up doing my taxes, and I've been looking at my W-2s and all those type things, and some of y'all have been doing the same thing. You're looking at your investments or your, your retirement uh, statements, and think about your yearly retirement statement, your yearly W-2, whatever it might be, and you see the figure there, and you lay that all at the feet of Jesus. That's what Martha did. I mean, Mary did. That's what Mary did. I uh, was studying for this, and I came across some, some words by Dr. Gananan. He's a, a Pakistani pastor and scholar, studied at Oxford in England. And being from Pakistan, he knows about uh, this nard. He said it comes from a root of a tree that's pressed down into a resin, and it, it is extremely, extremely fragrant. Some of y'all are old enough to remember uh, this saying, a little dab will do you. You remember that, you remember that brill cream? Yes, yeah, some of y'all remember that. Well, a little dab would do you. He, he said that just one little drop of that would last for days. And here is Mary putting a whole pound of it on Jesus. And the fragrance, he said, would last for weeks there on the body of Jesus. A scent fragrance of love. Well, if he is correct, then not too long after that anointing there in Bethany, Jesus goes to the cross. And on that cross, that sign of infinite love to us is the fragrance of the extravagant love of Mary. Wow. You see, y'all, Mary invited Jesus into her life. And all who do that and all who welcome him are invited to share the extravagance of love with him and thus with others. As you go about your week, ask yourselves, how are you encountering Jesus? How are you inviting him in? And how is that encounter, causing you to go out and extend love that will fragrance the world with grace. Friends, take time to be with Jesus this week. And as you do so, the fragrance of love will spread all around you and bless the world with the presence of the one who's longing to be invited into your life and your heart. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.